The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. You didn't hear us for the first couple seconds because I had my mic muted because we're nothing if not professional around here. I'm in such a good mood, though. This is going to be such a great show, despite a start that can only be described as inauspicious. We're only going to get better from here. And first, let me... Uh, take one positive step in the right direction for this program by bringing on my awesome co-host this week, Katie Zaccardi. How's it going, Katie? Hello, hello, hello. Oh, thank goodness your mic worked right away. <laughs> <laughs> I made sure of it. <laughs> That's right. Well, but yeah, it's my oh, dog. Is I missed you, Katie. How you desk, been? So. I've been good. It's I've been good. I've been hard at work <laughs> for the last month. Yeah, busy. Very busy. Yeah, but all good things. Busy is good. As I always say, it beats the alternative, especially in the entertainment industry. Uh, been a little busy myself today, Katie. I just came back from a pretty delightful field trip. You're going to like where I just was. I got to pay a visit today to our friends over at Slam Radio, the Sirius XM satellite radio station that carries Break the Business. And it was a blast checking out their facilities, meeting the people. For those who don't know, Slam Radio is the first high school student-run Sirius XM satellite radio station in the world. And while they do have some grown-up uh, radio shows and podcasts that are on it, the entire station's run by kids. Most of the shows are student-run, and then they also produce, you know, help produce shows like Break the Business. And That's so awesome. I was like having a meeting at the station, Katie, and just like. Instead of like having like a meeting with executives and like suits and ties, I'm meeting with like a bunch of like Gen Z high school kids who are like talking to me about my show. <laughs> Much more uh, fun, it sounds like. <laughs> I I am inclined to agree with that. And you know, they dig the show. They liked they liked me. They liked the co-hosts. They liked the theme song. I was getting a lot of positive feedback on the break the business theme. So I, I've had it stuck in my head for the last 24 hours. So I'm with them on that. It is a certified bop. That's uh, much love to Jonathan Mann for putting that song together and much love to Slam Radio for carrying us and uh, giving us a home on satellite radio. It's been really great working with the awesome kids and awesome adults that keep that fantastic network running. That's on Sirius XM channel 145. I'm so jealous of the kids, Katie, I should mention that are at Slam Radio. So some of them are hosting national radio shows on that platform. And I just think about when I was in college, when I did college radio, we had, is that your dog in the back? Can you hear him? I am so sorry. All of a sudden, like two minutes before we started recording, he's doing like laps around my desk and I don't know what on earth he's trying to get or he wants, but he's like crying under my desk for attention. So. Well, we have very clear rules that break the business, which as dogs are always welcome, but we do have to see them on camera. Let me see if I can get him. Ziggy, come here. Come here. 
Ziggy, so, come here. While I'll, I'll lure him with the tissue. That's all I'm thinking. Yeah. While we wait for Katie to bring the dog into our lives. Yeah, I just had a great time at Slam Radio meeting with these kids. And I'm, I'm so jealous of them because when I was in college and I did college radio, uh, you know, our little tiny radio station at my college had a tower that reached maybe to the other side of campus. So like maybe two people were listening at any given time. <laughs> Meanwhile, these kids on on Slam Radio are like, yeah, I have a radio show and I'm in I'm 16 years old in high school. And, you know, Sirius XM's got 35 million subscribers. So you know, I guess a few people are listening. It's <laughs> like, casual. So it's casual. All oh, right. look at that sweet little puppy. <laughs> Hi, Ziggy. He just wow. got a haircut and yesterday was his second birthday. So he's the new star of the show. <laughs> Happy birthday, doggy. Oh, what a, a cute little pup. So between you and the dog, those are already two people that we're happy to have on this program. And coming up later, a third arrival that we're going to enjoy. We're going to be talking with the COO and co-founder of Jack Trip. Russ Gavin's going to be joining us. This technology, Jack Trip, Katie, unbelievable. I mean, when this was described to me, when the publicist was like pitching this guest to me and talking about what Jack Trip was, I wrote back and said, I don't believe you. I don't believe this technology <laughs> exists. So here's what Russ Gavin and his team created. Okay. A, a, a software like internet solution that allows bands in different areas of the world to practice together or perform together from remote locations without any latency. That's crazy. I mean, because like I've been in live streaming long enough to know that when you and I are talking in a normal conversation, there's latency. Like nothing's yeah. happening at the same time. Here's the best we example. We just did it at the beginning yeah. of the show. We were talking over each other by yeah. accident. Because even with like, you know, I have a powerful internet connection over here. We got lots of technology. There's still latency. And so if we were trying to play a song together, like if you were singing and I was playing ukulele or something, it would never match up. Yeah. And so it would be impossible, except our guest coming up after the break, Russ Gavin, says they've developed something that makes the, the latency go away. That you and I could like play a song together and it's going to match up or an orchestra of people can play together in different locations and make it match up. That's a game changer, right? Completely. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had this technology like two years ago, but having it now is it's going to be amazing. I'm really excited to hear more about this. It's unbelievable. And, you know, this is the real deal, right? This was being developed uh, in coordination with Stanford University. Uh, Russ Gavin is a professor at Stanford. And so this team's got some real heavy hitters behind it. They're going to be at the NAM conference talking about this software as they have in previous years. This is really incredible. And it's going to take all the willpower in the world for me to just, you know, be yell not be yelling at him. I don't believe you. <laughs> what you're describing sounds impossible. And it just gives, goes to show you like how amazing some of the music tech people are in this world. Just coming up with stuff that just seems like it's right out of Star Trek. Yeah, so, I can't so even pretend to understand that. I'm just like, I trust that you are smarter than me and you have done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and <It's>, thank you. <laughs> it's going to be one of those things where you ask Russ Gavin to explain how it works. And about like 15 seconds in, you're just going to be like, yeah, yeah. magic. Got it. Smile and wave. Smile yeah. and wave. Thumbs just up. But you don't have to A lot of it. nodding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, one of the things I want to talk to you about, Katie, before we uh, move to the guest is an interesting tweet that I saw. I love it when I just find tweets and I'm like, oh, I got to bring this up on the show. And so I found a tweet that just encapsulates my whole philosophy about like why I'm not a fan of record deals. Mm -hmm. 
in 140 characters. Lauren, can you pull up just the first part of this tweet? Don't show the whole tweet. Just the first part of it, okay? At Suhail on Twitter writes, and we have it up on the screen here, imagine VCs take 80% of your company for funding, make you pay back the funding through your first profits, and all they mostly do is help you find some hosting for your website. So before I even show the rest of the tweet, I've worked with enough VC people to know that that's like the world's worst VC deal. Like somebody, you know, a company saying in exchange for my investment, we want 80% of your company. And before you see any money, we, you have to pay back our 80%, like from the profits you make. So basically that the funding we're giving you is just basically a loan. And we're going to sign a contract with you where we're not actually obligated to do that much. Like, like we're not going to actually be required to do anything under the contract. Um, if we decide to help the company, we will, but we don't have to. Any person in the VC world who got offered a deal like that is going to laugh it out of the room. Nobody's going to take that investment. Except, why don't you show the rest of the tweet for us, Lauren? As the, as the tweet is completed, that's basically the music injury industry for artists. One day there will be an unimaginable reckoning. What an amazing tweet to summarize what makes record deals so destructive because that's exactly what they are. Especially now, I feel like they're really uh, taking advantage of the fact that people can grow fan bases organically on apps like TikTok and whatnot. And I mean, I ask myself every day because obviously my job is to help indie musicians grow and make money without having to have a label. And I'm just like, why? If you're only going to get signed once you've already basically proven that you are a money-making business, why would you take money from people who are just going to take your rights away and then you owe them money anyway and they don't do like all that much for you? I mean, obviously it's different case by case, but it enrages me, (laughs) truly. Yeah, that that point right there at the end, I I think, is everything, right? Because anytime like I come down on labels and I do this like anti-label thing, somebody inevitably on Twitter comes to me with their anecdotal case of, you know, my label saved my career. My label gave me so much support. It made me the star I am. They gave me, you know, the support and mentoring and infrastructure. I never would be where I am without my label. And what I always say to them is good for you. But if you look at your contract, they weren't obligated to do any of that. Yeah. And so if they woke up tomorrow and decided, you know what, we don't think that this is viable. Nothing is requiring them to do all of the things that you expect them to do. And they can just sit on their record. And while that artist and that anecdotal evidence who will inevitably tweet at me about this (laughs) uh, didn't have that experience. That experience is outweighed heavily by the experiences of artist after artist who do get hit with this. And it is the worst. It's the worst VC deal of a lifetime. Like, I would love, you know, coming from the VC world and working with VC clients, I would love, love to see record deals structured like VC deals where I'm a label. You're the artist, Katie. We're going to do this 50-50. I'm going to give you some capital to help you make your record. You're going to supply the labor to make the record. You're going to like get in the studio and record. So I'm not getting any cash from you because you're paying with your labor. I'm going to give you some capital and we're going to split this thing 50-50. And when I say 50-50, I mean 50-50, not uh, not I get my 50 back and not I get my investment back from your profits, 
but we both get paid from the first dollar of profit, which is how pretty much every VC deal is structured. But that model, which works in the Silicon Valley, doesn't seem to make its way to the music industry in L.A. and New York. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. And I feel like a lot of indie artists don't understand, too, that when they get in advance, it's not just like you're not just like magically given all this money that you can do whatever you want with. Like you're you got to make the record with it. Yeah, exactly. And like you better hope that you make money afterwards. And if your label doesn't want to help you promote it or drops you or whatever it is, like, where are you then? That's why I'm so pro coach personally, because I feel like it, uh, it and podcasts like this, because it allows artists to learn what they need to know and like take it into their own hands. And sure, there's an investment if you're like taking a course or a program or whatever, but you learn the information, you implement it, and you still own everything. You still have all of your rights without having to like rely on someone else to either put in the work or put in the money or both. And if they don't hold up their deal or if they have, if you have like a shoddy deal that you get like screwed over. No question. And I am sympathetic to the artists who will say, I need the record deal. I need the management deal because I need the mentoring. I need the support. There are just things about this industry that I don't know. And I'll can, you know, I understand that artists feel that way. Yeah. And what we might say to them in response is like, yeah, you can learn those things, but also if you really need to learn those things, if you need somebody to help you get from level one to level two, the answer isn't necessarily signing the world's worst VC deal or yeah. signing a management deal where you're giving somebody 15% of your gross income for the rest of your life. Yep. The answer is, you know, scrounging up a little bit of money and paying for a couple hours of a coach's time. There are coaches, yeah. there are consultants that can give you the information you need, the connections you need. And they don't take your intellectual property. They don't take your financial future. Uh, they don't put you in the world's worst VC deal. Agreed. <laughs> and I have to tell you, like, I've actually been a little, um, I've been a little angry over the last couple of days because I saw a couple TikToks from people um, who were kind of like hating on coaches and people making money off of like giving information, kind of suggesting that people who know things about the music industry should solely be doing stuff for free. And it just makes me mad because I'm like, what's the alternative? The alternative is either you have people who have succeeded in music and just give everything away and don't get paid for their time, which I don't think makes sense because I think musicians and music industry professionals should be paid for their time, their knowledge, their craft, or the only way for musicians to learn stuff is like praying for a label deal to come and save them, which isn't realistic, isn't going to happen and is not accessible to everyone, uh, let alone the people who do get it. It still doesn't mean it's a good thing. So that was happening on TikTok this week. And I was like <laughs> furious, obviously a little triggered because I am a coach. So, you know, but I was like, this, how, how does this make sense? Like what, like, how is this anything but good for indie artists to be able to just take it into their own hands and not have to rely on anyone else to make their career a success while still and, learning what they don't know? And for the artists who are not yet at the point in their career where they can afford a couple hours of a consultant's time for a one-on-one -on -one session, there are intermediate steps between that where you can get information. Yeah. There are informational resources. There are courses, online and live courses that you can take that are mm -hmm. within the vast majority of musicians' budgets. Uh, I believe you have a course that's coming out right now, Katie. Yeah? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a great segue. Um, I so... feel pretty proud of that, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, no, but there really are so many great resources, podcasts and courses. I just launched, uh, technically relaunched. It's like a 2.0 version of my course called the audience builder. And it just went live the new version yesterday. We're, if you're listening to this, like the week it comes out, we're running a founder's discount, which is the lowest price we're ever going to offer it at, uh, for the next week. So until next Wednesday, the 18th, you can grab a discount on it, but essentially this is a course that I created after working with many artists one-on-one and in group formats um, and realizing that they just did not really know what their brand was. And then they struggled to create content because of that. And so content strategy is one thing. A lot of people talk about it, you know, post a million times a day and like do this trend and blah, blah, blah. But that it, I found was really intimidating for a lot of artists because it didn't feel genuine. And it also felt really overwhelming to post a million times a day. Um, plus they didn't know what to say. They had no idea what to actually share on social media that went beyond like, Hey, I just released this new song, go listen to it. And to be frank, that's really not that impactful of a post to make. Yeah. Uh, particularly if you're posting to a cold audience, which is often the case now on TikTok because like on the people scroll through their for you page, which is, people that they don't know. So you have to hook them. You have to have a personal brand and years of being a musician myself and also just running my own business. I created this and kind of applied business principles that are used not necessarily in the music industry to the music industry to be able to help my clients figure out what their personal brand is and then what their content strategies are so that they can actually know what to say, know who they're saying it to, and then be able to create really good content based on that, that allows them to grow and then monetize that fan base. I love that. And you know, that's the kind of information and resources that are within the reach of any musician, regardless of kind of where you are uh, cash wise. And that's still a whole of a lot better option than the 80-20 worst VC deal of a lifetime yeah or going with the manager who's going to take 15% uh, off the top and, you know, keep you stuck in a management deal forever, or just any of the other like horrifying parade of horrible contracts that I see artists get into on a weekly basis in my legal practice. The information is there and it's available if you're looking for it. And, you know, I just, I just really want musicians to find it so they don't get stuck in a bad situation. I totally agree. And you know, what's funny is that there's, like big musicians every day who are on TikTok. The other week I saw Gavin DeGraw post a TikTok and the TikTok was literally like him singing um, his song. I don't know. What is it called? I don't want to be, you know, that song. Yes. I, I think I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen this TikTok video. So, yeah, And like the TikTok is literally just like, I don't want to be on TikTok, but my label said I had to. So if you get a deal, they're going to tell you to get your butt on TikTok anyway, uh, if you're yeah. not already. So, you know, learning this yourself and building it up, whether you want to get, if you want to get a deal, it's going to give you more leverage to negotiate a better deal and to be able to kind of fend for yourself. But it also gives you the opportunity to not have to rely on a deal and to be able to just pocket all the money you're making by having a fan base who will go to your shows, who will stream your music, who will buy your merch, join your Patreon. Um, be able to potentially work with brands and things like that, because when you have an audience, you can do all of that and you can monetize in other ways. So yeah, I'm super excited to have this out there. There's a self-paced version that you can just buy and do by yourself. And there's also group coaching. Um, so if you need like accountability, if you want to bounce ideas off of people, I know I'm very much a verbal processor. So I like to talk things through, uh, group coaching is, is where it's at. So I'm pumped. (laughs) And where can people check that out? 
you can go to katiezacardi.com slash build and it's there. Uh, and if you have questions or like you, you just want to know a little bit more about it, you can also DM me on Instagram at katiezacardi and we'll make sure it's for you. I'm glad that you brought up that last piece at the end, Katie, about how artists are, you know, getting to the point where they, if they do these things, you know, where they're, you know, they build the TikTok, the social media, they build that independent following, they get their music out there and they grow it. It can give them more leverage mm -hmm. if they eventually do decide to go with the label because it, it makes sense for their career at that time. There's actually a great article that just dropped in Billboard today as we record this that talked about that very phenomenon where they got a bunch of record executives and entertainment lawyers to say, for the first time ever in like the modern music industry, we're starting to see favor more favorable record deals for artists because for the first time ever, you're seeing a lot of artists who are coming to the table with leverage, having already built a following, saying, I'm, I already got my fans, I already got my music. Maybe you can take me to the next level, but I'm not coming at this with zero and I don't yeah. want you to give me the same terms as the artist who just came off the turnip truck and yeah so you know you're seeing them uh get rid of the 360 provisions and deals you're seeing them get better royalty rates you're seeing them get bigger advances and so we're seeing that tide turn because artists are getting more informed because they're getting the information they need and they're figuring out how to build their career on their own terms first before they go after uh the label and the terrible venture capital terms that that label is going to offer what a welcome development, especially for somebody like yeah. me who's been writing about like horrific record deals for almost a <laughs> decade now. Oh, nice little plug there. There, katiezacardi.com. Um, who's been writing about horrific record deals for like a decade now and have been waiting for this kind of reckoning to start to happen. And hopefully it's the beginning of something big. One more story I want to talk to you about, Katie, which is kind of a... Uh, a boring copyright subject, but it involves Disney. And so I think that's the hook that brings us all in because who doesn't love Disney? Uh, tweet that came in a few weeks, a couple weeks ago from Missouri Senator Josh Hawley. Lauren, if you want to pull that one up for us, that caught my eye because it seemed like a pretty strange tweet. Uh, Josh Hawley wrote on Twitter a couple weeks ago, for years, Disney has gotten special copyright protections from the federal government allowing them to charge consumers more. Woke corporations shouldn't get sweetheart deals. I'll introduce legislation this week to end their special protections. Enough is enough. And when he posted this, you know, as a copyright lawyer, I could point out right away, there's very little in that tweet that's accurate. Uh, <laughs> look, and don't get me wrong. I am, I am no defender of like the of Disney and its relationship with copyright law. Okay. It is no secret that the reason why copyright terms got extended in 1998 for all copyrights is because Disney spent a lot of money on lobbyists to lobby Congress to, um, extend copyrights right when Winnie the Pooh and Mickey, the mouse, or Mickey, the mouse, Mickey, Mickey <laughs> mouse were about to go into the public domain. So they, they, were like, they oh. did that so they could make more money off of the, absolutely. But the point is, when that law was passed in 1998, it didn't just extend Disney's copyright. It extended everybody's copyright. So while I'm no fan of Disney's approach to copyright, which is not let anything go into public domain, Disney doesn't get any special copyright protections, as yeah. Josh Hawley is noting. 
Uh, everybody gets these protections. But of course, Josh Hawley wants you to think that Disney's getting some kind of special secret copyright deal from the government yeah. because then everybody gets mad at Disney. And right now, like Disney and certain segments of the far right are not best of friends right now because, you know, I guess Disney had the audacity to say that uh, LGBT community are people, which uh, apparently was not something that they liked very much. I know. Just outrageous, (laughs) controversial statements by Disney. Unbelievable. And so, like, this segment of the far right is trying to, like, take it out on Disney's intellectual property, which is kind of weird. But anyway, so I was like, yeah, this is, you know, his, his tweet's completely wrong. And so it wasn't clear to me what legislation he could possibly introduce to address this, because how do you address something that isn't true, basically? <laughs> like, how do you say we're going to get rid of Disney's special copyright status when it doesn't have special copyright status? And so and then the bill came out uh, a couple days ago and it's unhinged. So what the bill, okay, so like he managed to draft something that by my count violates at least two international treaties and two constitutional amendments. Why didn't he call you, Ryan? You could have told him (laughs) what to do. Yeah. And and, and so, right, right. He he drafted a bill which says uh, we're shortening, going forward, all copyrights get shortened to like up to 56 years. Which, by the way, like I kind of like the idea because I've always said copyright durations are too long. And I think art benefits and artists benefit from a vibrant public domain. However, that would violate international law. The the uh, United States government has already signed multiple treaties that say that they'll at least have copyrights be no shorter than the life of the author plus 50 years. So, and I think that there's another treaty they signed where it has to be life of the author plus 70 years. So yeah, this would already like... So, but that's not the, you know, but you know what you're thinking, like, oh, what does that have to do with Disney? So then he gets to the next section of his bill where he says any, like where he basically carves out and says any company that like meets certain requirements. And basically he writes the requirements in a way that it like only applies to Disney. Uh, (laughs) Their copyrights are like retroactively eliminated. So, and so like, like all of them. Yeah, it's just like well, like like he shortens All them. The ones like that break the 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 time limit. Right, exactly. He's like anything that. All right, so yeah, like all your old copyrights, if they're more than fifty six years old, they're gone now. Oh my god. Um, and so, so a little like, on the nose, like a little yeah, exactly. Obvious. No, it was it like he like <laughs> he might as well have just said like just Disney, but no, he wrote like yeah. a bunch of things that like if you put it together and deduce, it's like oh yeah, that only applies to Disney. But <laughs> here's the thing, again. This legislation would be unconstitutional and violate international law. And Josh Hawley knows this. Josh Hawley is probably a smarter lawyer than I am. He went to Yale Law. He clerked before the Supreme Court. By any objective measure, he's a legal genius. And he's probably surrounded by advisors who could say to him, yeah, dude, this is going to violate the First and the Fifth Fifth Amendment and the Byrne Convention. He knows this. So this this is just like red meat. He's trying to fundraise. And the reason why I'm talking about this on the show and the reason why this makes me upset is because it is so hard to get our Congress to focus on copyright law. You know, they have so many things that they're worried about. And it's so I mean, there's so many pieces of copyright reform that could be done that could actually help the indie creators that could move the needle for indie creators. And so when we waste even a second on using copyright as a tool to 
uh, go after companies that speak up for the LGBT community. Not only is that homophobic, but it takes yeah. energy away from like copyright law that could actually help indie creators, like boosting royalties on streaming services, like more friendly copyright laws for things like live streaming and music to allow creators to, you know, more readily experiment with works. You know, there's there are things that could be done. There could be a conversation to be had. But while as long as we're wasting legislative energy on copy like vendetta through copyright we're not writing copyright law that matters it's hard enough to get congress to do anything you know like that's like it's my number one frustration on the political side like politics on either side like there's so many real problems in this country so many people suffering yeah like yeah and that and then they just try to play games then i don't like this so yeah back at you in this way like so many people who are suffering right now and, and and the fact that any any member of Congress would waste time on things that don't matter, on things that they know aren't legal because they want to just try to fundraise and, you know, tell their 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 base that they're sticking it to Disney. That is just it's frustrating for me because real things need to be done, not just for indie creators, but for all people who are struggling. And it just it just stinks. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think that it's going to get any like legitimacy or do you think that people will kind of poo-poo it right away? Well, I hate making political predictions because I'm always wrong, but <laughs> this is not serious. Uh, this is going to get no public support. Maybe a couple uh, legislators like sign on to this or they at least express public support for it because they want to get some of this like far right clout that Josh Hawley's getting. But this is a completely unrealistic proposal. Any copyright lawyer is going to tell you it's unconstitutional. It violates international law. And it's just it's just a a terrific waste of time and something that's so harmful to indie creators because it it uh, derails what we should be having, which is a real conversation about copyright law and how we can use copyright law to actually make things better for creators. Yeah. I'm disappointed now. I'm mad with you, Ryan. Yes, <laughs> that that's all. <laughs> that's all I want. Like, I don't want to be mad alone, but we have things to be happy about because we're going to take a break. And then Russ Gavin is going to explain to us how in the world it could possibly happen for two musicians <laughs> in different parts of the world to play music at the same time without latency, because I still can't imagine how that works. But we're going to talk to Russ Gavin uh, after the break and find out. Don't go anywhere. We're back in two here on Break the Business to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life.
thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. We're on Facebook Live, Twitter Live, Twitch Live, YouTube Live, Sirius XM 145, Ghost Slam Radio, and on all major podcast platforms, wherever you're checking us out. Man, we are so happy that you are. We're also happy to be talking with our guest coming at you right now. He is the director of bands at Stanford University and the co-founder and COO of Jack Trip, a software platform that facilitates real-time music collaboration over the internet. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.jacktrip.com. We are happy to welcome Russ Gavin on to Break the Business. Hi, Russ. How's it going, Ryan? How are you doing? It is going so, so well. I am thrilled to be speaking with you, and I demand an explanation because <laughs> what you are describing with Jack Trip sounds impossible. All right. I've been doing Zoom calls like like Katie has through this pandemic for years. I know what latency is. How in the like just let's just start with there. How is it possible to have a technology that would allow two different musicians in two different parts of the world from remote locations to play in real time and have them play at the same time without uh, excessive latency? Well, you know, impossible is our specialty, so I like starting there. And, I love that. Uh, <laughs> I know that was man, uh, Russ had that queued up. That was fantastic. I, I do want to be clear, you know, latency is something we all got familiar with as so much went into the virtual spaces and remote collaboration of all kinds. And at Jack Trip, I want to be clear, zero latency is not really a thing. And I want to say that in that if you and I were in a room right now and we were five feet apart, you would be hearing me five milliseconds after I speak, right? Uh, as human beings, our brains are really good at processing minimal amounts of latency. And that amount, if you think about it as one foot, sound travels about a millisecond, a foot a millisecond, right? And so when you think about the physical spaces that we've all made music in and you think about those stages and you think about your distance from the drummer, uh, you know, we're we're all actually quite good at accepting a minimal amount of latency. And what we're doing at Jack Trip is using the Internet to get down to those ultra low numbers. Um, and so uh, as an example, uh, and again, I, I've got good and bad news. The good news is I can talk a lot about this. The bad news is I'm just a musician, right? I'm a band guy. I have the same problems that we all had when our music was forced online. And I was so fortunate to happen to be at Stanford University where this project, this software called Jack Trip had been in development for many years. My Jack Trip co-founder and uh, colleague, Chris Chafe, he's the director of the Stanford Center for Computer Research and Music and Acoustics. Uh, we call it Karma because that's more fun. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, he had been he said many years ago he wanted to create a technology to see what it would sound like if you plucked the Internet. Right. And it's kind of a weird description, but he, he did this many, many years ago, actually, just to see if it was possible to have this super low latency on the Internet. And it was. And I like to think what Chris did early stage was he built the ark and waited for the flood. And the flood is broadband Internet, fiber Internet and edge computing. 
And so what happened when the pandemic hit, you know, this technology was at Stanford. I was here. I was like, okay, this is what we do here. We solve these kinds of actual huge problems. That's, you know, that's a cool part of being at this school and around these brilliant people like Chris. Uh, and I started kind of hanging out and figuring out, you know, how to use it. And simultaneously, uh, across town, there was a choir and like every choir was told in the pandemic, hey, we, uh, we're not going to sing together anymore because of this pandemic thing. And one, in one of these choirs that got that message, there was a young man named Sam. Sam's dad is a guy named Mike, Mike Dickey, Jack Tripp, CEO and co-founder. And Mike simply said, we refuse to accept that the music is going to shut down. Uh, and he literally went into his basement and got to know Chris real well. And this, you know, the, the collaborations that this part of the world are known for where, you know, the research of Stanford meets the entrepreneurship of Silicon Valley and the geniuses. I'm again, I'm, I'm a trombone player. Don't tell anybody. Right. And I'm hanging out with these folks who are just brilliant in creating things that didn't exist before. And what Mike did is he took the software uh, that Chris had been working on and he really he had this challenge, which was get his son's choir online. So he not only had to scale it up to 40 folks, he had to make it easy enough for 10 and 11 and 12 year olds. And so he did that. Um, he did it successfully, as crazy as it is to say, uh, the first choir started rehearsing on this in July of 2020. And what it, it kind of called on like wildfire. And again, I, I want to make sure uh, we get the questions from y'all. I want to make sure I'm not just rambling on about the story, but it, it is so important that this intersection of all of these skill sets to solve this problem of an entire choir, and you can find a lot of videos of choir, but by doing that, it solved everybody else's problem. Because we all know the voice is, you know, something that, you got to be really good with, right? Uh, you got to be sensitive to, right? You're about to ask something. I mean, I'm trying to ask a question, but I have to like pick my jaw up off the floor <laughs> first because this, this seems crazy to me. Okay. So I think I'm not a science person and, and certainly audio science is like a completely foreign concept. But from what I understand, like you're saying that even in the, even if like you and I were in the same room together, there's still a certain amount of latency. Like when you speak, it's not going, I'm going to hear it, you know, a very small amount of time later, but, yeah. but as far as our brains are concerned, it's the same time. Yeah. And that's the cool thing. We give our, our whole lives. We go through working with latency. Somebody has yelled at you from across a parking lot and you've been fine with that because your brain has this level of elasticity where you're used to dealing with that. And one of the problems with internet audio is that it, it, you know, when in a lot of platforms, uh, you're, if you get down to 300 milliseconds of latency, you're doing pretty well, right? A lot of them bump it up closer to 500 milliseconds. And so we do get this inauthentic kind of experience. We talk a lot at Jack Trip about creating authentic human experiences and, and doing that by making it so that, you know, using the technology and the internet, it's very much like being in the same room. All right. Now, so... Right. So the idea is like you're trying to create a tech solution that makes it feel like in terms of latency that we're actually playing together in the same room. Yep. Now, for musicians who are like realistically, if, if a musician wanted to use this solution, uh, how what kind of hardware or soft and, and or software is involved? 
Yeah, well, great news. Uh, go to jacktrip.com, check it out, and you will see several options there. The thing that Mike came, uh, came up with in the summer of 2020 was a hardware solution. And so we have two bridges that you can purchase right now. And, and we're actually distributed by Hal Leonard. And you can actually buy us through a lot of, you can buy that hardware through many local music retailers. Um, and the two devices, you can either run an analog signal in and that's going to, and you plug that into the ethernet and it takes your sound to the cloud server, brings it back. Or we have a digital bridge where you can plug a USB mic or just your, you know, whatever interface, USB interface you're interested in using, plug it right into that, rock and roll. We also have and something that's really, really exciting uh, that we're going to be talking a lot about at NAMM is we have uh, some desktop solutions that will allow an appropriately powerful enough computer, laptop, desktop to actually serve the same prof uh, processes with out the hardware being necessary if you have an optimized setup. Um, and so there are a lot of ways. I like to say that Jack Trip Virtual Studio is Disneyland and these other things, they're just the road to Disneyland. So we have analog bridge, digital bridge. You wanna come in via your computer. If your setup is strong enough, you can pull it off. Uh, and then when you get there, you're just gonna have a blast, right? And uh, But yeah, all of those things, if people wanna check it out, jacktrip.com. And even, you know, we, we have a great support team. We have we have a crew of people. We have a lot of passionate members of our community, uh, as you may imagine, right? That the people um, the people who are using this, they just get it. And the great news is a lot of the stuff I talked about was a pandemic kind of solution, but the applications of this post-pandemic, way, way exciting. I dare say even more so, you know, kind of the, the lifeboat to get us through the pandemic. Um, you know, has turned into a jet plane of, you know, to get us just into the future. And we're seeing people, just the, the applications that we're seeing in this, I, and again, not to imply that we're post-pandemic, but in this world where people are interacting or are playing a little more in person, man, we're, we are seeing really exciting applications. Uh, because, you know, it, another thing I want to hit on, the idea, proximity does matter, Right. Uh, we can facilitate a jam session in Portland, Oregon with some folks in L.A., and we can work that out. We are fundamentally limited by the speed of light, right? And the speed of light in a straight line takes 17 milliseconds to get from New York to L.A. When you run that through uh, the Internet, it's going to take a little longer than that. And so it is important for listeners to understand um, your ultra low latency experience is going to be available depending on your home internet connection, 500 miles, you know, musicians within 500 miles, musicians within a thousand miles. Um, it does depend on some of those variables. So that, that is something we want to be very candid and very upfront about to make sure people have the right expectation going into the experience. But two people with strong internet connections who have things set up and are, you know, within the same like region of the United States could jam together. Oh, are jamming together. That's are the jam cool part. Yeah. I mean, if, if you go to jacktrip.radio, uh, you can click on recordings right now. There, there's this really cool jazz trio in the area and you know, it's a drummer, a bass player and a pianist. 
And they're just, you know, they're playing every Wednesday. They're, uh, they're, they're broadcasting out because that's another functionality of the platform is the ability one-click broadcast. So that's a, a feature that's come along in the last six weeks that we're just pumped about um, because it's allowing these folks to share their music in addition to collaborate. Um, and But yeah, they, it, it, it still blows my mind. I'm not going to lie. I, I was listening to these guys jam last week. And, you know, you got the hi-hat and the drummer's just going to town. The bass is just locking it in. And I'm like, holy cow. It's it's just, it it's so cool to be close to. And then to talk to that group about their experience and what that's doing for them. You know, at, at the end of the day, uh, one of the things that this technology enables is more music. It's more practicing. It's more mm-hmm. engagement. It's getting together more often, right? Uh, this particular trio you know, they shared with me, you know, we used to wait to get a gig and then we would just rehearse really hard for a while and then go into the gig. And they said, <laughs> now, now we're, we're instead, we're rehearsing a couple of times a week. And why? Because they don't have to commute because they mm-hmm. don't have to pack up the drum set. Right. And, you know, we're really big believers that time should not be the enemy of getting better. And that if you have musicians in your community that you want to jam with, that you want to rehearse with, that you want to songwrite with, that you want to create with, you know, so often it is that the struggle of the commute, the struggle of the time, the struggle of having a place, the time to find a place, right? And we're just taking all those barriers down to allow creators to do their thing with as little friction as possible. And money too, like I'll toss another pain point your way, but like, especially when I was in New York city, you had to pay for a rehearsal space. Like nobody had room in their apartment to have all the instruments and drums and all this stuff. So paying for that's pretty pricey. And if you can reduce that because everyone can be in their own space, like that's a huge game changer because musicians can pocket the money they're making from gigs uh, more easily. They're not having to break even with a bunch of expenses. Absolutely. Uh, there is a, there's a group in Austin that we've been working with and they, that, they, they went right there. They're like, gosh, we have to rent this rehearsal space. Uh, no, you had to, now you don't anymore. Right. And so <laughs> it, 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 it absolutely to, to make the musician journey something, you know, the more we can focus on the art, the more we can, you know, it's just a better world. And the idea, the other thing that's exciting about this is, you know, anybody who's been in the music space, you know, terms like artist and creator and musician, like when do we get that, you know, credential? Whenever we claim it, right? And the idea that we are, there are a lot of artists and musicians out there that are just needing this bump of a little more rehearsal, a little more collaboration, a little more putting themselves out there and, you know, that it's going to unlock that creative energy in those people. It's just exciting. And we're already seeing it because there are also situations where, you know, people are on the platform. They're like, Hey, did you know this musician's on the platform? They're like, Oh, I always wanted to play with that person. Well, now you kind of can. And you can also sample them if you would, you know, (laughs) like, I mean, with great respect to all of the musicians in the world, you know, we've all had that person that, uh, well, I, I, we, we all know what it's like, to, to sample artistic relationships. And the idea that this is going to expedite that and allow people to collaborate, meet each other, you know, it's, it's all inbound and it's super exciting. I love your face, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Katie, any feedback to, or? 
I think it's absolutely amazing. And I'm actually curious to hear a little bit more about, um, you just mentioned people being on the platform and you can kind of see them. So is it also like a little bit of social networking almost that like once you're on there, you can connect with other people who are on there? Or is it just that you can see other people that are on there? How does that work? Uh, right now, it's mostly people who know each other collaborating. And then in some of our community forums, they're finding each other and finding collaborative, collaborative opportunities. As we build out what you just described, where, you know, my dream, uh, I'm the world's worst bass player, right? And all I want to do is be in a Weezer cover band when I grow up. And, <laughs> and so, For me, it's ABBA, we, so I understand. Yeah, yeah, we all have <laughs> our thing, right? And the idea that somewhere here in the Bay Area, there's a guitar player and a drummer and a singer that just want to be in an absolutely good enough Weezer cover band with me. I'm sure yeah. that exists. And the idea that eventually Jack Trip will be the kind of place where you do find those people and you get to do that thing that we all get to do, which is just play and enjoy the music making process. You know, it's it's definitely it's it's part of the future and it's very exciting. Russ, I'd love to give the viewers and the listeners an opportunity to see Jack Tripp in action. Um, Lauren, I think we have a, a clip of like a bunch of the uh, musicians performing this together. I believe we That's do. It. Yeah, if you don't mind, Russ, this is a piece of the clip you sent us. And these are musicians recording in different places using Jack Tripp. Bars. One, two, three, two, two, Yeah, right. It, it, no, it, it it still it still blows my mind when I especially we have a lot of artists uh, who are utilizing our broadcast feature. And as a company, we have, uh, you know, we have a slack and we we get pinged every time somebody chooses to make it more of a public broadcast and just going in and hearing the things that are possible. It's 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 super cool. And, you know, the the other implications you know, what other problems does this technology solve? I, I've had private students my entire life as a musician. I got my first private student when I was 18. I've always had a studio, right? And one of the use cases we've seen is people, you know, people got a little bit used to online music lessons from the pandemic. And the idea that, wait, not only can you play a duet together and not only can you rehearse together. Now, the number of students you might interact with instead of having to be within 10 miles of you, maybe it's within 500. I do want to say one quick thing, though, that I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say. When I first used Jack Trip, it wasn't the latency that blew my mind because I was told to expect that. It was when I plugged in my headphones and I started playing. I was playing with a saxophone friend of mine. And when he started playing, I could hear the overtones in his sound and I could hear the depth of the sound because Jack Trip is not only low, low latency, it is lossless and uncompressed audio. So you hear the depth and, you know, you, you can, you can hear what's happening on a level that is 
it, it, it blew my mind. It, 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 it still blows my mind, to be honest. And one of the cool things about our broadcast feature, by the way, is that when you do turn on Jack Trip Radio, it also goes out in that ultra high quality audio. So if the if the if the people you're sharing it with, if they're if their machine or their phone can support it, you can also get your sound out there in that extremely quality audio. I, I, I like the audio thing, Ryan. You immediately got it, right? It's, I mean, all of that is incredible to me. It, it, it's striking to me. And like, I, I, I mean, even for, I mean, I certainly see the, the, uh, the appeal for this for professional musicians. It's a game changer. But even for casual musicians like me, people who are hobbyists and maybe have drifted away from playing music to focus on other professional pursuits, the time aspect is the thing that stops us from like just, you know, starting a new garage band with our friends or something like that. But something like this that makes the collaborative experience of being a musician frictionless, like I can get a group of musicians together, even meet completely new musician friends uh, and start jamming right away on Jack Trip. Just it brings the socialization in back into music, even if you don't have the time to like invest in like a band where you go to a rehearsal space once a week. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I like to say playing music is fun. Playing music with other people is addictive, intoxicating, and life-changing. Right, like when you when you get that community spirit of doing it with other people, it it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's that it it makes practicing so much more fun when you're doing it with other people, right? And yeah, for folks, I, I I've talked to several people who just like you, um, you know, maybe they had moved away from music a little bit. A lot of people kind of came back to it in the pandemic because they had some time on their hands and, and that those people have gotten an opportunity to connect, to find other people to play with. It's, it, it's just really exciting. Cause again, it, it, I, I really do believe this. It, the world is a better place when more people are doing that thing they love called playing music. Right. And that, that, that's just at the core of it all. In that vein, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm reading Katie's body language here, and I think she's ready for me and her to start a band, and we're going to need a trombone player. Oh, okay. <laughs> Does um, ABBA have trombone in it? Because that's <laughs> what I'm signing up for. And that's what you're signing up for, Ryan. We're starting oh, an ABBA I mean, cover. That goes without saying. <laughs> no. Well, and, you know, getting getting the time tonight to share this is so exciting because quite honestly, Ryan, what you were saying earlier about, I don't believe it. That is most people's reaction. Right. And so having this opportunity playing that clip, like it, it is here, it's here, it's here to experiment with, it's here to play, it's here to form really awkward oppa cover bands. Um, you know, uh, I, trombone only ABBA cover bands. <laughs> <laughs> trombone and, and vocals. <laughs> you know, I one other feature that my colleagues would yell at me if I didn't bring up on this podcast too is a part of the um, service called Soundscapes. I want to make sure we share this because again, all this stuff just blows my mind. This this engineering team is just so so insanely good. And what Soundscapes is is digital signal processing in the cloud. Right. And so the idea that your sound goes into the virtual studio, but then we've added this functionality where you can adjust the reverb, you can adjust the noise gate, you can mm -hmm. you can really make it sound like an environment. You could even you know, you could make it you, if if you really got excited, you could test the acoustics of the place you're going to play and fully simulate that digitally. And it's just. Well, 
Isn't that crazy? It, I, I, it's, it's super real. And it, when you go, you should go check it out and just toy around with the soundscapes because you also kind of learn what some of these terms are that your audio engineering friends have always been annoyed that you don't know what it is. And, you know, you can go in there and kind of mess around with it. And, hey, you want to go in a cathedral? You can pick that. Hey, you want to go in a super dry room? You can pick that. The, the karma stairwell is in there, which is really funny. But, um, you know, just another cool feature of it. Well, I, I am so, so impressed. I'm so excited. I, I, I'm now super motivated to want to learn even more about the great work that you do. And I know our viewers and listeners are as well. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting jacktrip.com and jacktrip.radio. Our guest, Dr. Russ Gavin, joining us and blowing our minds. Russ, before we let you go, one last question that we have for you. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? You know, I've had a, a number of friends uh, with that career path. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to be cliche, but I'm the, the, there's never been a better time to be an indie creator, right? I mean, get, get it, it's hard. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I using technologies like this to find more musicians, using, using all of the stuff that's out there, just keep playing, right? Just keep playing getting it out there i will say again not to hype us too hard but you know one of the fun things that i'm seeing with jack trip radio is it's another unique space that people can get their music out and they can get it out to that unique fan base that they have you know i'm a big fan of that article a thousand fans mm -hmm. um the idea that technologies like this exist that allow you to perform live to your fan base to broadcast live you know uh keep keep at it and uh, again i i i i love i love the indie scene because every time I, I, there, there's so much talent out there keep keep grinding y'all we love you you know um, russ this has been a pleasure i i can i given it the pace which you all are innovating i'm sure you'll have so many more even more amazing developments to share in the future Please come on back whenever you want to chat with us about the incredible things you all are doing. And thank you so much for your time this week. Well, thank you and an absolute pleasure. I hope we get to do it again. Wow. Russ, Gavin, everybody. I, are, are, are you as amazed and just blown away as I am, Katie? Yeah, I feel like I have no excuses now. Like, I have to start a band. I have to be rehearsing. Like, I, I don't, I, I can't, there's nothing more to it. Oh man, you know I what? didn't even realize that there's so much pressure now because I was so easy to blame <laughs> it. Oh, the reason why I don't have my band anymore is because I got this career. Now I have no excuses. You're absolutely yeah. right. None, none. So we gotta get to it. <laughs> That's I, I think that is the uh the way forward here. Our thanks to Russ Gavin and producer Lauren, and my thanks to you, Katie, for joining us this week. Uh this has been so, so much fun. It's a pleasure as always, Ryan. <laughs> be sure to stick around next week for our guest, Sherry Lindley. She's going to be joining us for AAPI Heritage Month. Uh, she's one of my favorite people in the music industry. That's going to be a great show. And this has been a great show because of all of you checking it out. Thank you so much for checking out Break the Business. We'll see you next week. Break the business.